Hey everybody, before you enjoy this amazing episode about Vince McMahon in the year 1984, please note that I, Dylan Gott, was accidentally recording off of my laptop mic for the first 15 minutes. So around 15 minutes, the sound from my end will get a lot better. I did what I could in editing to not make it sound like I was in a tunnel, but you know what, baby? You do what you do, and you live what you live. What does that mean? Absolutely fucking nothing. Please enjoy the show, which starts now. It's the Wrestler Review. Oh, yes, Dylan, it's time for you to take more Cialis and then use your hard dick as a microphone. (laughs) Oh, my God. My name is Dylan Gott. That is John Hastings that was singing Welcome to Vince McMahon in 1984, the year of Orwell, the year of covering up murders, the year of a bunch of signings from different small-time territories that would become big-time people who also covered up murders, murders we don't know about. The Sheik did 9-11. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about this right off the top. I have taken three blue chews. Dylan has taken three Cialises, because in celebration... Hey, uh, <laughs> yeah. We're having a cock race. See which one works better. Yeah, but, but here's the thing is, we're jacking the whole time. All edge. Yeah. No, no cum. First person to fill a pint glass with pre-cum wins. And the reason why we're doing that is because in 1984, Vince McMahon had his best year ever because his dad succumbed to cancer, and he's never not been happy about that. (laughs) This is for leaving me alone with that weak inside inside penis person, Dad. You mean your mother? Yeah, weak. (laughs) Yeah, his dad gets cancer and dies in 1984. Wait, let's say the exact day, May 24th, 1984, Vince's father passed away, and he said, I love you to Vince. It's actually quite heartwarming. I disagree entirely. It is Why? It's heartwarming and terrifying at the same time. It's like, it's like getting a valentine, and the person wrote the inscription in the blood they drained directly from their own heart with a syringe. <laughs> I like it. I mean... He's nice to his daddy and when his daddy dies. Yeah, you also were an aggressively, intensely, uh, emotionally locked out weirdo. Like, Dylan, on during his wedding vows, like they said, you can now kiss the bride. And he kissed his palm and then touched it to his wife's shoulder and then walked out of the church going, no one looks at the shameful boy. Exactly. Kissing as a public display is tantamount to... Uh, oh fuck, I can't think of the word. Anyway, you should be hanged if you kiss in public. <laughs> What's weird is Dylan doesn't go for kissing in public, but he does believe in public HJs. That's how he celebrates his yeah, birthday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's because your mouth does nothing. Don't open your mouth too wide in front of a person. That's treason. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Dylan, Dylan refers to the mouth as the weakness hole. Mm-hmm. 
Also, I'm very much looking for if the coronavirus spreads and we'll have daily podcasts because <laughs> we'll be inside for months. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if the coronavirus, because I am in L.A., and if the media coverage of the coronavirus in L.A., as of this recording, is to believed, everyone has the coronavirus, and I'm seconds away from death. <laughs> One lo- local news broadcaster, I can't find this on the internet, but I read, I saw the tweets, and they like, L.A. local news is bananas because... Everywhere else, those people are just like, you know what? I'll stay in Cincinnati. I have a journalism degree. L.A., they moved out here to be a fucking movie star, and they think they are still seconds away from M. Scorsese calling him up and being like, Janice, it is time for you to be a star. Hence, all of them not really being able to read or good at their jobs. Look no further than one of them accidentally just straight up saying the N-word when Kobe Bryant died. No, that no, that person didn't say. Oh my god, because no, it was. Uh, they didn't say the n word. It just sounded like it. Oh my god, what did they say? It was a com- no, because I watched that com- exact clip. It's and a it was combination like- of Knicks and Lakers is what they is what they did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they started to say Knicks and the Lakers. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, I have a speech impediment when well, where B's sound like N's, and I have to just say that that person just got bigger. Um, <laughs> la, 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 eating pussy. You're all ah, pussy yeah. Show me your cock. <laughs> I'm full of cum. Uh, but yes. So literally, the LA news apparently a local uh, newscaster uh, to the effect was just like the coronavirus is here and we're all in trouble. Men will not stop coughing. My children are gonna die. Goodbye. LA is over. And it was just like, what the fuck? Yeah, man. I mean, you know what? The coronavirus is gonna happen, and you was gonna happen. Vince McMahon's gonna, he's right now just giving himself the coronavirus, and he's gonna have a pay-per-view match called Vince McMahon versus the coronavirus, and that will headline WrestleMania in a month. Oh, I can't wait. I can't wait for this year's WrestleMania. Is anyone else excited? I immune system's fucking killing it. You know what I'm gonna go do? I'm gonna go outside, and (laughs) he's gonna just do it out. He'll be live-cammed from the coldest place in the world, wherever that is at the point. And he'll be <laughs> and he'll be it's just Linda's side of the naked. bed. That's what that's the coldest place in the world is Linda McMahon's side of the bed when Vince walks in, sharts and goes, Baby's balls are wet. Baby wants to go into <laughs> mummy's pussy. Get out, Vince. Get the fuck away from me. Baby's got chocolate balls. Mummy likes black men. Get out, Vince. Get the fuck away from me, you fucking asshole. We cut to WrestleMania's Main event, Vince McMahon live in Minnesota, where it is minus three. I am in swim shorts. Fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you. Jesse! Jesse Ventura! I got the coronavirus and I'm wearing a fucking Speedo. And if I don't die in the next five minutes, I'm the king of your state. (laughs) That could be something that Vince McMahon just deals with AEW by just giving Tony (laughs) Khan the coronavirus. (laughs) I 100%... Guaranteed, Vince McMahon is the type of racist that he doesn't believe that Tony Khan is actually in charge of AEW. Like he's like, no, no, no. That's very funny. C- Cody runs this. CEOs have Irish names. I guarantee he is thought like he's never said <laughs> it out loud, but he's like, like he's almost like he's like. The, oh, and then Tony Khan's the CEO of AEW. And he's like, no, um, 
Like it's like hearing like a dog is, is driving a car. Like you're like, there's gotta be a detail here I'm missing. Like that's just not correct. I feel differently just because of his dealings with Saudi Arabia, but I do feel that he's like, well, I just offer Tony Khan Stephanie and then he'll take her because they, that culture values uh, owning women. And then I'll get AEW and then I'll, and then I'll beat Cody Rhodes in the main event of their next pay-per-view. See, the dealings with Saudi Arabia, I feel, prove my thesis in that Vince McMahon had to have people around him that know that, listen, you're essentially dealing with a giant, powerful dictatorship the world has to parlay with because they control oil barrel prices. And he, uh, A, signed the deal, and then B, was just like, uh, you haven't paid me, so fucking pay me, you fucking assholes. And they were like, uh, yeah, we'll get right on that. And he's like, oh, okay, good. I'm not going to wait for the money. I will just leave all of my wrestlers here and get on this private jet by myself. N nothing else is going to happen because you're all little bitches and aren't like me. I'm strong and powerful. You, little fuck, you're wearing dresses. You're wearing things that look like dresses. <laughs> A man wears trout. Powerful people wear cotton polyester wool blends, not linen. You're all curtains. And then he walks into a plane, <laughs> smiling with confidence. And then the Saudi prince just looked at all of his advisors and were like, time to teach the Western pig dog whose cock is really fucking big. And then they just held a bunch of wrestlers on a tarmac. And Vince McMahon got a call. And he legitimately thinks in Saudi Arabia, by the way, that they uh, don't have phones. Like, he was like, what? I thought you had to send a falcon. <laughs> oh, no. And they were like, no, Vince, we've spoken on the phone before. He's like, I don't think so. And No, that was a cup and string. Yeah, that was a cup and string. And they're like, that was absolutely not a cup and string. We're one of the more modern countries in the world. It's just we uh, hold off a lot of technological advances for most of our populace because we want to... Uh, contain and contro continue control over them and he was like oh, that's a lot of big words for me i went to school in a closet where my brother just taught me shapes anyway <laughs> can you release <laughs> my schooling was my stepdad fucking my mom yeah. and then saying this is how you do yeah. it all of the math involved him just going one penis plus one mum vagina equals how many comes and then Vince cried <laughs> that's fucking terrifying 15 tears it results in 15 tears stepdad <laughs> here's what I'm gonna say that Vince McMahon's upbringing is literally I think very much proof that uh, genetics play a role in being a serial killer because Jeffrey Dahmer uh, grew up in the suburbs and is a serial killer with like a loving parents and Vince McMahon lived in a trailer with an abusive stepdad where it was like punch the kid, fuck his mom, punch his kid fuck his mom punch 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 fuck 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 and he's like you know what i'm gonna start a wrestling company Couple of things. one hilariously even though vince has given so many people cte indirectly uh no frontal lobe injuries which is a big thing that points towards the development of serial killers yeah that's right i listen to true, yolo true crime podcasts two vince got closure on the relationship with at least one parent because as Vince McMahon senior was dying he yelled i love you Vinny," at his son the only time he said i love you was he yelled, I love you, Vinny, as he walked into a room. And then I assume Vince McMahon Sr. stabbed himself in the heart for feet. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, this was... Cut off my head at the same time as I stabbed myself. I don't want to have an expression of love on my yeah. face. I don't want him to see me when I'm being such a, quote-unquote, weak little girl. Um, 
<laughs> Absolutely not, Mr. Vince McMahon Sr. Um, yeah, it's 1984. Vince McMahon's dream uh, has come true. He is now his own dad. His dad is dead. He is actually yeah, yeah. He's made a son, so he's, he's now literally the dad. He has ostracized his mother. He's probably not spoken to his brother ever since. And now it is time to fulfill his dad's dream. I will maintain this until I die. That Vince McMahon Sr. was 100% complicit in the expansion of the territories, knew what his son was planning. Arnold Skoland, Gorilla Monsoon, everyone involved, they all knew what was going on, and they were all fucking 100% loyal to the New York fucking territory and fucking were good little soldiers and went along for the fucking ride. There is no way none of them did not. If you think that Andre was like, you know what, I'm loyal to Jim Crockett Promotions, fuck you, Vince, and walked out, that would have really affected things. Instead, Andre was like, sounds like Papa's going to be drinking some real good jacuzzis full of wine. Let's fucking do this. <laughs> jacuzzis full of wine. Ooh, it's got some of my smegma in it, just the way I likes it. I can taste my own cock. <laughs> Pre-cum. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I can taste my own pre-cum. <laughs> See, Andre the Giant, the way you do it, it's, it's like a guy with a low voice who's very full. His mouth is full. Anyway, oh, 1984. Let's start with... <laughs> oh, the boy is scared. <laughs> um, Andre the Giant is not one of the main signings. Here are the main signings that uh, Vince McMahon has in 1984. This is just 1984. We'll go through them thusly, and if we have something snazzy to say about them, then we'll stop. Brutus Beefcake, formerly known as the Booty Man. Um, it's weird that you start off with this signing, which is clearly Hulk Hogan walked in and went, I got a friend. He right now is just huffing gas in Tampa. Can you please hire him? And then, boom, Ed Leslie was... Ed Leslie is the greatest example of it's not who you are, it's who you know. That man, that man yeah. has a nice house. Because he is friends with Terry Bollea. Go ahead. No, I just can't say. Bruce Pritchard says this, and I do remember it, that at, there was points where Ed Leslie, the Brutus the Barber Beefcake, was super over. Super over. Everyone forgets that, but as a kid, I loved Brutus absolutely. the Barber Beefcake. No, no, I don't disagree. He was absolutely over. Uh, and also, when he first came in and he was part of the Dream Team managed by Jimmy Valiant, uh, it was fucking great, where he was just... He was basically called Brutus Beefcake. He wasn't the barber. Because remember, the barber gimmick didn't start until he helped shave Adrian Adonis's head at WrestleMania 3. Before that, he was just a beef... He was essentially just Florida before Florida had overt stereotypes. That's... Yeah. And oh, his initial gimmick was he was a male stripper, which for sure was Vince McMahon being like, ha, 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 these kids are learning about cut. Yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck. <laughs> They're learning about the meat envelope. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, Vince McMahon. Uh, Vince McMahon Brian B. Blair. Oh, no, yes. I was about to say, I was just going to say Vince McMahon uh, genuinely believed that vaginas were something that you could use to curry your documents for a brief time. Yeah. <laughs> Why would I pay the fee for the stamps when I could just shove it in Linda? Yeah, Linda, get on a fucking plane. You're, you're FedEx. Yeah, Vince, for a brief time in 1984, I actually thought that a lady's vagina was just an excellent way to courier documents. He kept <laughs> he kept pointing at Linda and calling, that's the UPSC. And they're like, you mean UP, <laughs> like U, UPS pussy? And he was like, ha, 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 ha. 
ha 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 plus you can throw her out because she costs less than a stamp. Ha 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 ha. Don't even feed her. <laughs> she hasn't earned the food. Oh, God. He's... <laughs> It's like pie. It's like pie May in. Uh, it's like pie May in uh, Kill Bill too. <laughs> yeah, eat it off the ground. You haven't earned the right. Yeah, yeah. Mm. He detests Americans. He has no time for women. Um, <laughs> so uh, Brutus the Barber Beefcake is the uh, first signing. He was a male stripper, of course. So yeah, Vince could teach kids about poom poom in the worst way possible. Then B. Brian Blair, who. Uh, Jim Brunzel is his tag team partner. Jim Brunzel is a um, is a fantastic man who had a lot of success in professional wrestling by being an upstanding human being. B. Brian Blair fought his son and their friend when they came home drunk and lost. <laughs> Listen to our B. Brian Blair episode. It's my favorite episode of this podcast because B. Brian Blair does a shoot interview and usually shoot interviews are like, Here's the behind the scenes of the wrestling business. And B. Brian Blair is like, I went up to that guy at Target and I said, $30 for this shirt. Why don't you suck my fucking cock? And he didn't. So I started weeping openly in the Target. And you know what they did? They gave me a shirt. Here's something to remember about sun chips. How the fuck is the earth round if we can make chips out of the sun? Cheesies. There's too many fucking flavors. Just one regular cheesies, goddammit. I asked you about the killer bees. This is about the killer bees. Anyway, I put cheesies in my ass every single fucking match we had. Always. Four cheesies at least. My ass was full of cheesies and I was in the backstage area and someone said, it looks like you got a big sore stinger coming out of you, bee, Brian. And I said, yeah, I'm a killer fucking bee. And then I went and cried because that's the first time someone had said something positive to me that wasn't just a nice man stroking my hair. It should be noted that because of my faith, I reject the fact that I am a homosexual, even though I clearly am <laughs> and just want a hug from a strong man. But instead, I married a woman who I do not talk to. <laughs> and I fight our son because, God damn it, he ruined my damn life. Why does, he, why does he get to be fucking happy? Why does he get to be happy in his skin? <laughs> so, of course, he signs Brett the Hitman Hart. That was our first episode. The British Bulldogs. Uh, Davy Boy Smith, who was just like, uh, hey, Dynamite, do you want to hang out? And he's like, if it involves getting needles out of a dumpster stabbing yourself and sees what they do yes uh i'd love to come i'd love to come to new york vince it's me uh diamond Knight kid i just want to let you know that i'm going to ritualistically bully everyone in the locker room <laughs> no need to pay me in cash just give it directly to a drug dealer <laughs> here's the greatest thing dynamite kid somehow outlived owen hart that's crazy. Davey Boy Smith. Heath Ledger. Who else? Like, he outlived so much. Bringing in Heath Ledger is very- River Phoenix. River Phoenix. You're going to do it. Do he it. outlived River Phoenix. Kurt Cobain. Like you say, drugs and uh, painkillers are worse for you than literally landing on your neck every single day. Yeah. Tom Holland had a screw that was literally just out of his foot so that he could basically just keep his leg on his body. Not use it, just on his body. And he outlived the dog from Lassie. It's not Tom Holland. It's not Spider-Man. What's his last name? It's Tom something. <laughs> no.
no, let's keep it as Tom wait, Holland. Wait, are you telling me that Dynamite Kid is not also Tom Holland from Endgame? I'm very confused now. No, it's... Uh, all right, so there's Tom Holland. Here's Here are the British Bulldogs. It was... Tom Holland, go, right? Go ahead, yes. And then Chris Evans was the British Bulldog. No, his last name was his name was Davy Boy Smith. Dylan, you silly boy, you're being silly. No, yeah, that was his wrestling. No, name. you're being a little goosey woosey boy. His uh, wrestling name was it was Tom Billington, and his wrestling name was Davy Boy Smith, but his actual name was uh, the. You're wrong. You're Michael wrong. Jackson. <laughs> Bobby Heenan was a signing by Vince McMahon. Vince convinced Heenan to join the AWA just as he had jo- uh, convinced Jesse Ventura. Ventura, of course, quit wrestling because of blood clots in his lungs. And this is said to be Vince's favorite non-wrestling signing uh, other than Jim Ross and I guess Bruce Prichard. But uh, Bobby Heenan, the greatest wrestler, uh, professional wrestling manager of all time, and a pretty fucking good wrestler. He basically, Bobby Heenan was like MJF, but people aren't as big now. Only nerds get into wrestling now, so MJF can be a wrestler. If Bobby Heenan was allowed to be a wrestler, he would have been fucking Here's the only difference, of course, is that Bobby Heenan, of course, did not train to be a wrestler. He just figured it out, apparently. That's how much of a natural he was. Because... People say how sm- funny he was. He could have been a comedian. Guaranteed he was just like the only smart guy in wrestling. Who was like, wait a minute, I found a thing I just don't have to work at. Bobby Heenan uh, thought he was going to get fired because Vince McMahon caught him smoking and spent the good part of their chat just talking to him about smoke, how smoking was bad. Guaranteed also they were like, "Here's the you have to really learn in-ring psychology, Bobby. And he's like, yeah, go out and say their sports team is bad. And they're like, how did you Yeah, know? wait a minute. Yeah, oh, what I'm just going to do is go out and call all of the women fat and all of the men stupid. And they're like, this man's a natural. You should be the new Johnny Carson. You're fat. You're dumb. The team is bad. Also, I'm a gay man and I love my partner. Bad. Get him out of the ring. Get that man out of the ring. He signs the Junkyard Dog this year. Yeah, Junkyard Dog, of course, escaped the clutches of Bill Watts, where he was um, supposedly... Bill Watts and Stu Hart. Bill Watts and Stu Hart. Oh, imagine imagine the things that the Junkyard Dog was referred to as to his face as if he wasn't there. Yeah, just get in here, give me a little hug, but you're naked and I'm naked. Or maybe I just do the zipper undone. I just want to let you know that I... (laughs) Uh, I'm tired. (laughs) I'm so tired, but I still need to hug you. I just want to let you know that I... (laughs) Jirati! Jirati, fucking come here, man. Come here, man. You know what what they all think about you, man, but I don't fucking think that way. I'm Bill Watts, man, and I... Oh, yeah, I drank a lot of whiskey, but I want to let you know, sure, I, I gave the KKK your address, but I left one number off. <laughs> <laughs> he signed Corporal Kirshner, who was basically a ripoff of Rambo, and he started really good, but then his popularity quickly wanes, waned, and I have a Corporal Kirshner uh, action figure that I gave away because who didn't give that one away? I feel like that one was the free one. Yeah, that, that was the one they gave kids to actually uh, use to throw at stuff. That was their fun marketing campaign. <laughs> well, and then also it's like Corporal Kirshner and Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter, of course, leaves for the AWA due to the dispute over the action figures. 
the action figure royalties, and they were like, oh, yeah, well, we got this guy now. Look at this guy. Huh? You fucking, he's a corporal. You're just a sergeant. Fuck off, you fucking fat fuck. It's also very important to note. I hope you're noting, are you noting, noting this down, Dylan? You should be noting. I have a list of notes. Good. Um, the, Colonel Kirsch, okay, Corporal Kirschner, uh was obviously, uh, I've lost Sergeant Slaughter. I need a new Sergeant Slaughter. And it is the beginning of one of the smartest Vince McMahon trends ever that people have used against him a lot, which is dress and make a wrestler appear very similar to something your competition has. So if they turn on the television, they think that this is this. The best example of this, by the way, is Goldberg's look in WCW. He looks exactly like Steve Austin. And that was Kevin. Everyone gives that up to Kevin Sullivan, where Kevin Sullivan was basically like, Shave his head, same goatee, same dress as Steve Austin. No one will know the difference, and he'll get over because people will be like, oh, you got to watch this wrestling. There's a bald guy that beats people up. Boom, there he is. That's also, uh, and for those of you that don't really uh, realize, they're like, don't think that's possible. Um, there was, this is according to studies done within the last two years. There's uh, another fighting league called Bellator. And studies have shown 75% of people who watch that, which is like a million people every time they have an event, genuinely believe they're watching the UFC. Even though over and over it just says Bellator. They're like, oh, that's a weird name for the yeah, UFC. Yeah, I guess that's the name of this <laughs> so, UFC program? Yeah, so that happens quite often. Oh, we got the Moondogs. Yeah. Which, uh... Moondog Rex was initially in demolition, but then they kicked him out because everyone recognized him, and uh, that's pretty good. I just keep envisioning, like, uh, it's Demolition the Miz. <laughs> yeah, the Moondogs are, I have so little knowledge of the Moondogs, and I know quite a great deal about wrestling. Still not really sure what my wife's birthday is, and I can, of course, tell you um, that one of the Moondogs went, Moondog Rex uh, replace someone in demolition, and that's the only thing I know about these fucking guys. Like, I don't even know... They're just old, old, short, fat guys, so it was like, ah, this guy's... Look at these guys. They're like the new Legion of Doom. They're four foot eight, 600 pounds, and yes, they're selling your son cigarettes. Yeah. <laughs> yep, that's right. One of them is smokes so many cool... The Moondogs have grabbed the microphone. All right, 40 bucks, I'll get you all you little kids a six-pack. Yeah. Hey, who has any? Who has a? Uh, who has a cool cigarette? Spell with a K, not a C. <laughs> I, I smoke menthols because they're like breath mints that you smoke and they make you straight. Uh, Dick Murdoch was signed by Vince McMahon, and I assume then clarified the JYD's address so he could give it to his buddies in the Ku Klux Klan. The idea. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He was signed just to get JYD's yeah, address, yeah, 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 and yeah. then he left. Vince, you need to sign me up. I gotta figure out where this one black guy lives, even though that's definitely not what Dick Murdoch <laughs> would have said. Uh-oh, he would have said the other stuff. Uh, there was Cowboy Bob Orton. He was signed along with Ken Patera. Ken Patera immediately. This is funny because Ken Patera was signed even though he was uh, about to be sentenced for throwing a boulder through a McDonald's late at night. And then he came back in 1987 and as a baby face because uh, Bobby Heenan was making fun of him for going to jail. Yep. that's That was the story. Why is that not more famous? Why is that not more famous of a wrestling moment? Why did Ken Patera get re-signed to the WWF? Oh, a man in a shiny blue jacket was calling him a little bitch for going to jail for doing something that is medieval. <laughs> you don't have cheeseburgers? I'll kill you. I just want to back up to Bob Orton. Bob Orton is a very... Back it up. 
very important signing in that he is one of the very few types of wrestlers of this type that Vince has ever signed. In that Vince weirdly does not like out of shape weird enforcers that just look like they can beat you up in a bar. And Bob Orton is the archetype of that. And is so important because the next person we're about to talk to, who is the most important signing, needed a heavy and needed muscle. And it worked so well that Bob Orton was paired with Roddy Piper, who they also signed in 1984, that we're going to talk a shitload about in a second. Um, is perfect because he is the heavy to Roddy Piper, who's this pencil-neck-looking fucking weirdo in comparison to Hulk Hogan. And then you have this bruiser weirdo who's got a fucking cast on his arm paired against Hulk Hogan. So it looked like the two of them versus Hulk Hogan actually could be some sort of weird heel duo. Now, Roddy Piper getting signed by Vince McMahon, this is a stroke of fucking genius because essentially the only time that Vince McMahon allows this type of heel who absolutely controls the scenario. He does not let himself lose to Hogan. He doesn't let himself be taken anything less than seriously. The NYPD had to protect children that were um, wearing Roddy Piper t-shirts or having Roddy Piper uh, toys because for some, they, it's of course the WWF so they were still making those things even for a heel because they were smart businessmen and unlike the Midnight Express actually saw that that was an important thing to do. Um, Roddy Piper comes yes. in in 1984 and, and immediately um, it's perfect. This is also Vince McMahon's brilliance in promotion is that unlike any other wrestling company, he saw the star, he saw the money in Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper as a match because it's Hulk Hogan against a different type of wrestler. He also, and Roddy Piper gives him credit for this in that he very quickly, he very slowly over the course of that program that started in 1984, it wouldn't be, it would be the WWF presents Hulk Hogan, Roddy Piper. And slowly WWF got bigger, more important, more prominent, uh, and Roddy Piper, Hulk Hogan got smaller, and then it was Hulk Hogan versus whoever the fuck. Yes, and but Brody Piper, I want to say the reason that Vince McMahon, the only time he ever allowed the, a type of uh, heel like this, is because uh, Vince McMahon is trying to make. I firmly believe this. He, this is the first time he's trying to make something that's all the way successful. He has not had anything that is this successful uh, before. So he is literally just saying, "Here's the best. Here's the archetype." Here's the best possible version of the archetype I like in Hulk Hogan, and I need a heater. I need a guy who will just be so obnoxious that they don't care that this guy is twice his size. They just want someone to shut this guy the fuck up. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's literally like Roddy Piper is a perfect guy because he's this sh fucking shithead who's complaining. If if you work, this can sound like a weird analogy, but if you like work in a kitchen, is this fucking shithead sending everything back and being a? But you work in a kitchen and like just like a restaurant, and this fucking shithead is finding problems with everything in the meal, and you're like, I don't care. Let, get the get that fucking weird cook to beat him. The up. other thing that's important <laughs> is that Roddy Piper was a huge fuck of huge fucking importance to the NWA. He was very much yes. he was the cuz he was the guy that he was one of the guys they built the first starcade on sorry he was one of off. the guys that they built the first starcade on and he also throughout most of his career after about the first 5 6 years of his career never needed a belt to draw money he was just one of those guys that people were like i would like to see that guy beat up the sheep herders or i would like to see someone beat up that piece of shit um and so him keeping him in the wwe in the wwf was really important and Vince will never acknowledge it because he's not a giant guy, but he's so important to what we know the WWF as. Go ahead, Dylan. 
Well, I was going to say, he's the first wrestler to leave wrestling to become a film star. He's very informative on everything in professional wrestling. And like you said, does not get his due because he did much of it uh, his own way. Like he, he, he was a guy who came up. It's such a weird difference, but he came up in the early seventies versus Hogan in the late seventies. Now Hogan, obviously there's no reason for him to leave, but he was very informed by the territories where a lot of these guys in the eighties left and went back and did all these things, uh, things that uh, people in the mid two thousands, people now would never do because there's just such a dearth of money, much more money you can make from merchandise in the WWE. I don't know if that's changing. Uh, as we record this, it might sound dumb in a year because maybe like, I mean, the, the stock's dropping, you know what I mean? We have no idea how this is all going to affect everything, but just people, I, I should say this WrestleMania changed everything because WrestleMania gave all these guys something to buy into as the Super Bowl of wrestling and a dream that they had to win the title, hold it up at the end of WrestleMania. That's a dream that everyone has. That's something that everyone buys into as the pinnacle of professional wrestling. Uh, These guys didn't think that. They were literally in it because football didn't work out or they were beaten as a kid. There was no, like... There was no like, oh, and then I'll be at a thing called WrestleMania. So they move very freely. And it's something I think that people, wrestlers now are only starting to do. Is like basically realize WrestleMania is a fucking lie. You're buying into this thing. You're buying into this thing that's obviously not real. And a lot of times them having that dangling that carrot in front of you is not in your own best interests. The other thing to also remember, which is I think incredibly informative to Vince, is that Roddy Piper bullied the shit out of him. I want you to lose to Hogan. Because he yeah, could. Yeah, because he could. And if you... Once if again, you, Vince McMahon up until this point is a unsuccessful promoter. Absolutely. He is just an... Un, he, and it's... The, the, this time in his life is so important because it informs how he looks at the world now and how he treats his talent now. And he has, with the exception of maybe The Rock, has never let a heel. And a heel is very important because a heel is who actually controls how you get... A wrestler over. John Cena is the biggest star of the last 12 years, and that is because Edge was the only guy that can make that guy seem like a hero that we wanted him to fucking beat the shit out of. A big reason why... Why the fuck do I care that Roman Reigns has won another Royal Rumble? He's never faced adversity in the way that he's been portrayed in the WWE, and the man beat cancer. So it's one of those things where, at this moment, Vince should look at his own history in how to actually market a feud that people want to watch. And it comes back to something we've said a lot on this fucking show, which is big fight atmosphere. Conor McGregor is essentially doing the higher status Roddy Piper, Ric Flair hybrid, which is he's just Mm -hmm. saying, I'm going to kick the shit out of you. I come from nothing and you are still nothing. And that's essentially what Roddy Piper did in an exaggerated fucking way on fucking television. The other thing that Vince McMahon does in this moment is he actually listens to the talent, which he does when things are good and when things are bad, he tries to control it himself. And he gives Roddy Piper Piper's Pit, something they should never have tried to recreate in 1984. And again, is a huge fucking tool in building the uniqueness uniqueness of the WWF product because the NWA doesn't have a fucking guy in a kilt talking to a guy from Puerto Rico who claims to be from Cincinnati, Ohio, and then beating him up with Bob Orton. Roddy Piper's being signed is 
I could arguably more important than Hulk Hogan being signed. If you if you actually look at the unsung influence of Roddy Piper in this time period, between Piper's pit and the fact that WrestleMania's main event would not have worked without him, good God. Following it up is, of course, the second most important signing of this time, Wendy Richter, because Vince McMahon needed someone for Moolah to abuse so Moolah wouldn't talk to him. <laughs> Wendy Richter, of course, it's, all, it's often cast by every single podcast I heard about it before, they, before I actually watched the match. Then Wendy Richter got shot on by Moolah and she couldn't fucking take it. Uh, if you actually watch the match, here's what happened. Uh, the referee just counts two. They give Moolah the title. Randy Richter goes, what the fuck? And starts actually beating the shit out of the fabulous Moolah. And Moolah no-sells it. Uh, that's pretty much what happens. It was also always cast to me as like, they sent Moolah out to Spider-Lady. Spider-Lady beat the shit out of this dumb bitch. That's it. Re- All I'm saying is, it's worth your time to watch the finish of the match and uh, afterwards. Because it's easily as awkward as when they screw over Vince. Sorry, when they screw over uh, Bret Hart. Uh, it's just the crowd. There's not as big a crowd, and no one cares that much because it's women's wrestling. Mike Rotunda, the mm. future IRS, joins. Yeah, someone pull up your boat to the dock. Mike Rotunda's in town. Oh, buddy. I can't believe we lost that episode. Bruno San Martino is teased out of retirement uh, because Vince wants his son David to get addicted to drugs. Greg the Hammer Valentine is signed, and of course, I think another very, very important signing, Jesse the Body Ventura is signed from the AWA, and we gotta do a Jesse the Body Ventura series as well, because goddammit, this guy, this guy, his just his feuds with Hogan, and just like how people forget that it was Superstar Billy Graham, Jesse Ventura, then Hulk Hogan. It wasn't like Superstar Billy Graham, then Hulk Hogan. Jesse Ventura would have been a huge fucking star had he not had... The problems with blood clots. And Would blood. you like to hear uh, Jesse, Body, Jesse the Body Ventura story that I think you're going to really enjoy? I do, yes. Well, what were I going to say? No? <laughs> Jesse the Body Ventura claims that Hulk Hogan has a really tiny penis. Uh, and then the sex tape came out and proved that he didn't. And there was some wrestling shoot interview, like written blog shoot interview I found when I was trying to uh, look up things about Jesse the Body Ventura and watch a shoot interview because I'm a nerd. And it asks about that, and Jesse's basically implies that his dick's so big, Hulk Hogan's dick looks small to him. <laughs> Isn't that good? Isn't that fucking good? Jesse Ventura's Unsolved Mysteries. Does anyone have a bigger penis than me? No. Such a Absolutely not. Old kook. Dude, you gotta watch, if you guys are out there right now and you're listening to this at home, for some reason you're listening to this at home in silence for whatever reason, you have to stop this podcast and look up the Jesse Ventura's Conspiracy Theory episode on on Manimals. There's a part where it's like, is the government coming up with a half-man, half-animal creature? And then a guy goes, yes, they are. And then he goes, could I beat it up? And they're like... Not even you could beat it up. A 60-year-old man. Not even you, <laughs> crippled old man. Um, that one's good. Yeah. The be- Not the one, buying The one it. for me that I really enjoy is when he goes to uh, CERN and demands they open the gate, and they're like, no, it's a military Oh, yeah, solution. and some security guard who's working nights is like, no, man, I'm trying to fucking tra- trade someone in fantasy football. What the fuck and are he you doing? Like, I'm a former governor. You don't have the right to do that. And he's like, I do, though. Man, that's so funny. I, like, he's like, it's like, there's no one. There's like he, and by the way, his face isn't blurred. So he signed a release. Like, it's how much he doesn't give a fuck. He's just like, yeah, give me the. Yeah, you can't do that, man. Yeah, you yeah, can't yeah. do it. 
That's so funny. Using your title to be like, can I have a free coffee? No. I used to work at Second Cup. <laughs> Still, um, no. My name is Timothy, and this is Timothy's International Coffee. <laughs> real, real Ontario-centric reference there. If you ever hang out in a shitty mall in Ontario, Canada. Oh, my God. Timothy's is... I. So they. I'm in a hotel right now, and they have like a Keurig for Timothy's, and it honestly tastes like dirt with shit on top of it. <laughs> Can you someone shit on this dirt? We need it to be coffee. Uh, the last signing we were going to talk about, the most important, Nikolai Volkov. Yeah. Why is that important? Because it proves that Vince McMahon says, is he Italian? Sweet. He can play one of these 19 ethnicities. <laughs> if he's a doesn't tan Italian, he's Russian. If he's a does tan Italian, Arabic. Those are the two things Italians can do. Italians are the unsung heroes in professional wrestling because if they're actually Italian, they're jobbers for some reason. But if they're <laughs> if they're not portraying an actual Italian man, they're at the top of the card. They are the Marlon Brandos of professional wrestling. Where are you from? Genoa originally. You will play a woman. Um, I don't think that's possible. I have a giant <laughs> bushy beard. Santa Shut up, Marella. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right, so we're going to take a break, and we're going to be back to talk about more of the um, crazy year that was 1984. Uh, to mention this, we won't be talking about the plans for WrestleMania. We're, of course, doing a separate episode on WrestleMania, and we will not be talking about the Rock and Wrestling start because we're doing another separate episode on Rock and Wrestling. But we have lots more to talk about, such as Jimmy Snuka uh, killing his girlfriend. Dr. D, David Schultz, slapping Jim Stossel. His name is John Stossel, you fucking idiot. Who's Jim Stossel? Uh, Jim is his brother. Anyway, <laughs> all right, we'll be back right after this. We're talking about fucking Jim Stossel. Mm. Oh, hi, everyone. I think you're all wondering, does Dylan use condoms? No, and that's why you need to do donate to Patreon, because he has a lot of children his wife doesn't know about. I am the king. I coined the phrase risky cream pie. <laughs> and you need to give to Patreon to help my maybe there's a baby fund. Patreon.com backslash wrestler review. If you don't want to do that, uh, you're a fucking loser. But if you're still a fucking loser and you're okay with that, rate us on iTunes. It does help with the algorithms for old fucking uh, Steve Slobs' goddamn Apple things. So rate us on iTunes, rate us on SoundCloud, rate us in real life, 1 to 10. Here's a hint, we're both 10s. Oh my god, we're back, what a break. I put a Snickers bar in my butthole, then I took it out and I said, I pooed a Snickers bar, then I ate it. Tastes like shit. Did you shit, did you shit out a Snickers bar? No, I put it in there first, but I pretended it was shit, and then I pretended I ate, and then I really ate it. That's good. <laughs> also, get your shum shirts. <laughs> what, like that radio station from Toronto? No, that's when you shart and come at the same time. Oh, shum. that's right. I forgot about sharting and coming. <laughs> we'll be selling shum shirts. I'm, Yo! of course, the pussy, and that is the cock. Each one of these shirts has been run through an act of glory hole. <laughs> I've killed four dogs today. Here we're live on the air. Suffocation, by the way, not poison. I like to hear the screams. I'm a cat person. That's why I'm cool with it. I actually don't like loss of life. <laughs> <laughs> so this is very important. February 4th, 1984. The first Piper's Pit aired. Yes. This was Vince McMahon's. This I, no one knows whose idea this was. 
Also, it's it was Roddy things. Piper's. It was Roddy Piper's. There's no way. This is in the research to say. This is in the research to say, and it is true. If you are in your 20s, maybe you guys think of like Vince McMahon as this giant fucking loser. But 1984, this dude may have not come up with all this shit, but he certainly approved it. And 1984 was like the equivalent to a baseball player having 600 at bats and 600 home runs. Yeah, like it was like every single thing this dude came up with was amazing. He's been doing these ideas for the last 36 years now, and they most of them still work. If you get a guy with a good enough uh with a, who's good enough on the microphone, you can't just make him have a fake interview segment. He can interview anybody and he will get over. Yeah, the problem is is that they have tried it with some people that were really bad at it, i.e. Heartbreak Hotel. Uh, yes. Highlight reel never really fucking did. Although Heartbreak Hotel gave way to the most uh the most iconic tag team turn in the history of pro wrestling. So Which one is that? Heart Heartbreak Hotel? Yeah. Oh no, that was the barbershop. It was the barbershop. Sorry. Barbershop, barbershop sucked yeah. too. Yeah. The barbershop, you dumb fuck. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm I'm hiding under the bed now. <laughs> yeah, you should keep fucking turn off the microphone. Now it's just the rest of the review with John Hastings. Dylan God's dead. He's <laughs> I'm under the bed. I'm crying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All oh, are your tears like pre cum because they should be burning your eyes from the sodium content. Oh, oh I'm sucking my own thumb. Now there's four Snickers bars in my butt. <laughs> oh, oh, which one are turds oh, and which mm, one are Snickers? Mm, Only one way to find mm, out. Time for a chew time. No. Mm. This one has peanuts. Still unsure. <laughs> I eat a lot of peanuts, so they all look like Snickers bars. Oh, that's cool. I eat a lot of corn, only corn, because I want to make my shit look like my piss. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's good stuff. I'm very, oh, I'm very sorry. Oh, I eat a lot of corn trying to make my shit look like my piss. Dr. D, David Schultz. To, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's time to make my fucking shit look like piss, John Stossel. I am coming for you. All right, so Roddy Piper does the Piper's Pit. I maintain Roddy Piper came up with this because here's the thing 1984 you know when Vince is successful is that he is not someone who is an ideas man he's a he's a promo man you come to him and go here's what I want to do and he goes all right I can get people to look at that as soon as he starts going yeah, he's smart and that like he's the only guy who saw wrestling and went we're gonna put a lot of money behind this yeah people love this he, he goes to a wrestling event and he's like all of the people here are having the fucking best time nobody this is the thing about a wrestling show is that you can go to a wrestling show and everyone at the wrestling show, this sounds so weird, usually has the fucking best fucking time. I know that sounds nuts, but it's like if you see someone, everyone absolutely loving something, then you're like, of course we're going to put a bunch of money into this. No one else had done that before this in wrestling. That cannot be understated. He's the first guy in wrestling to apply actual business tactics to it. He, he wasn't just a guy who molested a bunch of kids who rented out a wreck. Yeah, that's Jerry Lawler. Yeah, he molested a bunch of women, and he ran it out in an arena. Yeah, that, that's Vince McMahon. That's the difference. Still horrible people, just it's different shades of horrible. Exactly. He wears a suit, and he's horrible. Yeah, he wears... Not a fanny pack. He wears a suit, and he's horrible, and he makes sure that the scars are so deep, they affect your grandkids. Now... <laughs> yeah. March 1984, Victory Magazine is rebranded as WWF Magazine. 
1984, uh, the first episode of Tuesday Night Titans. Now, this proves that not is, every yep. idea was a fucking home run. A lot of people have enjoyed this ironically. But it was important. It was very important in that it gave us the George the Animal Steel skit and a lot of yes. times of Roddy Piper making fun of Vince McMahon's hair claiming it was a wig, which I got to tell you, I'm fine with. Also, I think it's important because this is the first presentation of professional wrestling that is higher production value that isn't just them in a smoky arena because this is this is the other thing is that it's only after the first wrestlemania that dick ebersall gets a hold of vince mcmahon and says you can't just fucking point a shitty camera for a three camera shoot in an arena you need to like get actual camera angles in there and actual cameramen and film this like a live sports event. You can the, Dick Ebersol changes everything about the presentation of professional wrestling. And Tuesday Night Titans changes everything about the public's perception of professional wrestling, which is these guys aren't trying to convince you this is real anymore. They're just having fun. I know that sounds weird because obviously we're going to talk about the John Stossel incident, which is Dr. D. David Schultz, quote unquote, protecting the business. But this is people just having fun. He's already got some cartoony characters. He's making professional wrestling. One of the seg- one of the segments of Tuesday Night Titans was Dick, Marta- Dick Murdoch giving a Bill O'Reilly style rant. They had to edit it because the words he was using, they didn't know the definitions of, but they knew the meaning, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah, he did a new rant every single week and none of them were aired because it was all him standing in the nude yelling, this is what a body is supposed to look yeah, like, and he's you crying. you gotta be naked in the snow so you know how to fuck. <laughs> and then he would challenge and be beaten up very badly by Teddy Atlas every week. <laughs> I'll get you one week, Atlas. Here's the thing that I've maintained for quite some time, which is if Jim Cornette thinks that you're a real legend... It's countdown to the revelation that you're a racist, pervert, homophobe, bad guy. Jim Cornette is a weirdly liberal guy, but anyone he likes is Adolf Hitler times 10. He does. He's one of those guys who's like, we should have a uh, healthcare system for everybody. There's no reason to have a two-tiered healthcare system. Uh, but also, if you believe whites are better than insert thing here, you're good at wrestling. Yeah. Here's what you need to be a good wrestler. You got to know how to sell. Got to know how to work. You got to believe uh, in the Aryan race. Those are the three tenets to. That's why the NWA is doing so well. Because if you if you don't think that the villain Marty Scrawl doesn't have a couple of backwards idea being from Cambridge, you don't know what you're talking. Like I guarantee he <laughs> watches that scene from Django Unchained where um, Leonardo DiCaprio is sawing the skull and showing the little divot in the back and is going, "See." That's science. What a great documentary. Yeah. He watches the first half of American History X before he goes to jail and goes, well, that's the end of that movie. Yeah. That's all, that's all I need. I don't need the part where he makes friends. Yeah, he shows that to, he shows that to his kids and is like, isn't this much of a better adventure than Frozen? <laughs> <laughs> so, June 19th, the final television tapings for WWF All-Star Wrestling take place at the Agricultural Center in Allentown, Pennsylvania. The resulting shows are aired in July. The Many of the WWF's television tapings from the late 60s onward originated from the Agricultural Center. All-Star Wrestling uh, was also his flag, uh, father's flagship show. So that loop has been closed. Yeah, it's again, it's the building and move towards 
more professional television. You can see the difference between WrestleMania 1 and WrestleMania 2 are great examples. It's also MTV. Is, they're starting to have talks about those sort of matches, all that sort of stuff. The presentation really starts to fucking amp up. You also have to remember some wrestlers are more than just one or two wrestlers are getting theme music. It will take them until WrestleMania 5, the year of WrestleMania 5, for... Um, no, WrestleMania 6, pardon me, for every wrestler to get theme music, which is so crazy that they didn't figure that out sooner. And uh, what do you think David Schultz's theme music would have been? Fuck, fuck, shit. <laughs> I took a fuck. Then I had a shit. Fuck, shit, cunt. <laughs> yeah, just a man opening a Budweiser over and over again and going, where's your fucking girlfriend? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, shit on that toilet seat. I'll warm it up for you. I sweat naturally when I fucking shit. Hey, everybody wants to know why Dr. D does so much blow. Because when I sleep, I'm not being cool. I want to sleep. No, I don't. That's drool. Uh, hey, David Schultz. Did you know this about Dr. D. David Schultz? No, I did not. Go ahead. Uh, did you know Dr. D. David Schultz actually came up with the iPhone? He actually came up with the iPhone. He showed it to Steve Jobs. And Steve Jobs said, this is a revolutionary device. And he's like, I don't know what that word means, but I, you can fucking send your cock to whores with this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, real, that's the real story people. of the iPhone. You can show people your pube plume with this and not actually be in the same state. <laughs> it's better than in the mail because then the fucking Jew FBI can track you. This one, nobody knows. Gotta keep them fucking interlopers out of your fucking business, Stevie. Hey, let me ask you a question. You ever done a ripple and drove to California? Because I did. <laughs> I am a bad person. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about John Stossel and David Schultz. Please, right now, because this happens on December 28th, 1984, right at the end of 1984, but it definitely, honestly, weirdly, helps get the word out about WrestleMania. Um, yes, it's interesting. So David Schultz, uh, who was brought in by Hulk Hogan and at the time was very Hulk close with Hulk Hogan after this incident was not. By the way, the other thing that David, uh, David Schultz uh, apparently was doing a lot in this time period, because this is very much the run-up to WrestleMania, was... Uh, he claimed that he should be in the tag team with um, uh, yeah, with Mr. T. No, Mr. T. Should be in a tag team with Mr. T at WrestleMania 1 because he's like, Dr. D, Mr. T, Dr. D, Mr. T. Apparently, like, and a lot of people have that story that he was continually pitching that to Vince of like, it may come on, it writes its fucking self. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, so NBC, or pardon me, ABC's uh, flagship news show hosted by Barbara Walters, 2020, sends John Stossel, noted libertarian and right-wing whackfuck John Stossel. Oh yeah, big time. John Stossel is essentially the reason why the Libertarian Party has become slightly mainstream, because he uh, always pushed for news stories about it. He had a show that he would constantly like. He doesn't believe in taxation. Like he's so fucking bananas about that shit. Yeah, uh, I've been on television for 40 years. You get no money. 
There's a great. Uh, you have to watch the libertarian debate from libertarian presidential debate from 2016 for no other reason than John Stossel has to act ask a man about his murder charge and before that. <laughs> I'm a free man on the land. That man was on my land. The cops have no jurisdiction over me. Now, excuse me, I'll go back to my nine-year-old brat. Everyone knows that a road is mine, a road is mine, a road is mine. Actually, that's libertarians don't have southern accents. Most southern people actually have a good view of the unions. This is a libertarian. Um, actually, the reason why we have less cycling is because people want to make sure that my children think that... Muslims are important and they are not. I am one of those white women you meet sometimes, usually in rural situations, where you can see most of the white of my eye above, and my hair is so tight you're pretty sure it's constricting the blood flow to my brain. Now, if you'll excuse me, I'm going to go pressure my children to achieve, even though they're four. And if they haven't learned how to read at an eighth grade level, I'm going to fucking put their hands on a fucking oven element. Pardon me. I've never, <laughs> I've never understood why people hug. It just feels like it's claustrophobic. Uh, Dr. D. David Schultz uh, is greeted by John Stossel. John Stossel is going around talking to various wrestlers. He was uh, uh, interviewing David Schultz. David Schultz was questioned if wrestling is uh, real or fake. And David Schultz slapped the fuck out of him. Now, a couple of things. Dylan, do you think this incident was real or staged? As in, do you think that Dr. D acted alone or that Vince said, this guy's going to try and fucking sandbag us if he does. Dr. D, you give him the old, where's my goddamn dinner and take him down. I don't think that Vince said that explicitly because I think even now, given what we're about to talk about with Jimmy Snuka, Vince McMahon is very wary of having things he said come back to him. Uh, I think that David Schultz has been in wrestling long enough that this is something that you just do is protect the business because Hulk Hogan also does this later. Yeah, he does the yeah, Hulk Hogan also does this to um, Richard Belzer. I absolutely agree. I don't think David Schultz had any orders directly given to him by Vince McMahon, which he claimed he did. I think it was <laughs> Dr. D. David Schultz don't fuck around and someone was fucking around, so he fucked him up. Is the So he got fucking slapped. Also he just got slapped. I'm sorry, but you get slapped. You get fucking slapped. I don't know. Hey, John Stossel, you're a walking fucking toilet. Libertarian ideals are fucking the most bullshit entitled piece of shit thing in the entire world. Not everyone can afford to send their kids to fucking private school, you fucking baby. Hey, if I was David Schultz, I would have stabbed you in the fucking neck for being a fucking piece of shit propagating fucking bullshit far-right nonsense under the idea of tax reform, you fucking cuck. Hey, John Stossel, guess what else is fake? Your entire family, because none of them love you, but they say Boom. they love you because you've made seven nice. figures in your life. I hope you die and I'm there to watch it. Um, uh, what I'm trying to... John's nude right now saying oh, this. And sweating. John's nude. He's covered in his own blood and shit. He's mad. Yeah. I've been, I've been. He David Schultz himself all day. That means jacked off to the point where you bleed from your dick and shit from your ass. I've been shumming in jars for two weeks for this moment. <laughs> I've been shumming in jars. I got a, I got a two jars of each, and baby, it's the life is fucking Ooh, bad. I'm, I'm greasy in a way that a shower won't cure, Stossel. Come at me. Let's wrestle. So here's St so uh, Stossel, of course, being uh, the baby back punk that he is, <laughs> sues. Sues 
and gets $425,000 from Vince McMahon. The Athletic Commission originally finds uh, David Schultz $3,000. Vince McMahon then, of course, sues David Schultz for $425,000. That's good stuff. That's ending good Dr. Stuff. D. David Schultz. Uh, and uh, <laughs> this is Dr. D, of course, says that he Vince McMahon told him to blast him in the face if he fucking questioned the goddamn business. And uh, John, and he's saying, uh, and then he tried to obviously fight the suit against Vince McMahon, and obviously lost because he doesn't have enough money to fight the suit. Yeah, and also they have a videotape of him slapping a guy. Like, it's just one of those things where it's just like, yeah, there's no way that that is going to work out. Uh, again, uh, David Schultz. Um, I don't like the guy. Don't want to spend time with him. He probably smells like chewing tobacco and sardines. That said, John Stossel, you seem like the kind of guy that sits down when you pee, but you leave the door open so we can keep talking. So guess what? You can fucking eat my butt. <laughs> Some people sit down to pee, John. Are you saying women are bad? Well, you're a real John Stossel. They close the door, though. They close the door. Dr. D. David Schultz gets fucked over by Vince McMahon and John Stossel because... He's doing what he thinks is right, but what is actually fucking dumb. But he's not to know not to know that in 1984. Now let's get to the real fun one. Oh, is de- he just sued a guy for 425 thousand? Well, that is an egregious sum, to be fair. 425 thousand dollars. Is Vince McMahon a bad person? Here's what he says to Esquire in 2005 when they ask him a question point blank: Did you cover up a murder for Jimmy Snuka? He says the world is a complex place, very complex. Often you will find that the people you think are good guys aren't. And the people portrayed as bad guys aren't that bad. I'm not necessarily saying they're good, but they're not that bad. They're misunderstood. What does that mean? Nothing. That means that means he could have just said no. But he was like, you know what? I don't want to say yes, but I'll just say some weird stuff. I'm back. Yeah, yeah keep going. So, yes, Vince McMahon should have just um, said, no, I didn't cover up a murder. But like someone who definitely, definitely <laughs> up- it's so easy to say no, I didn't. Let's, Dylan, let's give it a try. I'm gonna ask you, have you ever covered up a murder? Let's see if it's hard for you to answer. Dylan, okay. Have you ever covered up a murder? Well, you know, John, sports. Yep, he's covered up a murder. Not only yep, a game. Covered up a murder right there, right there. <laughs> not only a game, John, but they're also an activity. An activity that involves a lot of. Yes, I did. There's something about a certain level of fame that you think your way of getting out of answering a point blank question isn't lying. It's just talking a lot. That is very true, where it's like, I'm just going to talk a while to run out the clock here so they get tired. But Vince McMahon does that all the time. Look no further than O.J. Simpson. Answer the ask that guy question about his wife's murder. And hey, man, you know, it's a thing. It's a complicated. It was a complicated time. Was it? Yeah, it sounds complicated when you murder two people, O.J., you fuck. Uh, so here's for everyone that doesn't know, January 18th, 1983, Jimmy Snooker was arrested in a hotel room. He was sharing with Nancy uh, Argentino his version of events that, that they quietly sat in a room with each other drinking and smoking weed when the cops uh, burst in and beat him with batons. <laughs> here's what everyone else heard, him beating the shit out of Nancy and dragging her around by her hair. Then, of course, the cops uh, a while later, let's get the exact date here. Um... Later in the evening, uh, they respond to a call uh, finding 
and Snuka was charged. Pa- apologies. Snuka was then charged with second and third degree assault for injuring uh, Argentino uh, and a responding officer in January 1983. Of course, when the cops, the one thing that's indisputable is that the cops did uh, eventually have to subdue Jimmy Snuka, and that was with the help of police dogs because he was a roid addict and also, uh, what do you call that? Addicted to rage, yeah, yeah. one of those guys. Uh, the only way that he feels and, uh, anything is through hate. Yeah. So then May 10th, 1983. Uh, wow, May was a fucking... Big year. Oh, this is 83, sorry. Yeah, but it's it's, t- it's a big month every year for old Vinnie Mac. Time to get the tarp out. But of course, this is the trial. The trial goes on in 84. Um, May 10th, 1983, a few hours after defeating Jose Estrada at a WWF TV taping in Lee County. Snooker placed a call for an ambulance. When emergency personnel arrived at his room at the George Washington Motor Lodge, they found his girlfriend, Nancy Argentino, had been injured. She was transported to Allentown's Sacred Heart Medical Center, and she died shortly after of undetermined uh, craniocerebral injuries. The coroner's report stated that Argentino died of traumatic brain injuries consistent with a moving head striking a stationary object. Autopsy findings show that Argentino suffered more than two dozen cuts and bruises, possible signs of serious domestic abuse on her head, ear, chin, arms, back, buttocks, legs, and feet. Snuka, uh, we also did an episode on this for the Patreon on Jimmy Snuka. I think it was two parts. Um, Snuka claims that Nancy Argentino, are you ready for this? Went out for a cigarette when they were uh, driving home and fell on a rock. That's what she. That's what he said. It's his official statement. That night, weirdly, Eddie Gilbert also has a car uh, car accident. Um, well, he's driving to meet Vince McMahon and uh, breaks his neck. Uh, he rather than get surgery on his neck so he could continue wrestling, he develops a painkiller addiction and dies at thirty three. And Wrestling. Yep. What a big day this was. Jimmy Snuka. What a fucking crazy day. Jimmy Snuka just straight up murders a lady and Vince McMahon's uh, whole thing is like, well, he's in that program with Don Morocco. Can't fucking let him face justice. Uh, Don Morocco uh, spent all night in the um, uh, hospital with Eddie Bobetti banana feta photo. Give me those pills. Uh, and arrives back <laughs> at the hotel uh, to see uh, homicide detectives banging on Jimmy Snooker's hotel room door. He described Jimmy as disoriented and barely able to speak, probably because he was so excited by Jimmy doing his favorite thing, which was being a murdering piece of shit. Hey, Jimmy Snooker, happy you're dead. Jesus fucking Christ. It was only reopened, of course, shortly before Jimmy Snooker died, and he could not um, stand trial because his dementia was so horrible. Um... So there's a Richard Cushing, who is a New York attorney who tried to reopen the case, uh, was quoted as said, it was a very peculiar situation. I came away feeling Snuka should have been indicted. The police and the DEA felt otherwise. The DEA seemed like a nice enough person who wanted to do nothing. There was fear, I think on two counts, fear of the money of the World Wrestling Federation and fear of the physical size of these people. So the cops were worried that Uh, Hulk Hogan was going to drop the goddamn leg on them, as well they should be. Uh, This really shows how different the world was uh, now almost 40 years ago, uh, was the idea that uh, the case was difficult for a variety of manners, um, one of which, of course, being Snuka and Argentina weren't married and didn't live together, which could cause difficulties in the case. He says that Mr. McMahon also... That's so crazy to me. Well, they didn't live together, so... As we all know, on the rule of the streets... 
fair play, play ball. Um, uh, Cushing also said that Vince McMahon also made it clear to him that Nancy Argentino's reputation would be sullied if the case went ahead. Cushing didn't want that to happen if he couldn't win the case. Cushing also quoted Vince McMahon as saying, look, um, I'm in the human garbage business. If you think I'm going to be hurt by the revelation that one of my wrestlers is a really vibrant individual, you're mistaken. What's crazy is, is that's actually cra- in that time period. This would not have affected the business that badly. The idea that he murdered someone would they people would be like, "Whoa, that guy doesn't fuck around." It was more that if, if whoa, G- let's turn him heel. Exactly. If Jimmy, I bet you part of the th- the thought process was, "Well, Jimmy's not a heel. This will be bad for us." No, we'll uh, turn him heel. It'll be fine. Then Hulk Hogan's WrestleMania one. If this murder trials to go ahead as Jimmy Snuka versus Hulk Hogan, and then uh, Hulk Hogan wins the title and posthumously uh, marries Nancy Argentino. It's one of those things. <laughs> That's where, the end of WrestleMania. In the re- research, Hobson, crack researcher, makes the point that he doesn't think that Vince McMahon was powerful enough to cover up the murder. The, Allentown is a very small place. The WWF was there. At the that wrestling promotion was there every week from the '60s. So they were definitely entrenched in local government through the Athletic Commission, all that sort of other stuff. Vince McMahon may not have directly said bury the case, but by saying certain statements like, I'm going to sully his reputation, they weren't even married, why is it a big deal? He is influencing the entire situation. So Vince McMahon, if not directly preventing the murder from being investigated, is indirectly trying to point the figure away from one of his employees and towards... Um, all of the lawyers just taking a nap because they're tired. Take a nap, guys. Guaranteed, though, this is the thing about wrestling that is so weird is that everyone views it as such a silly fucking stupid thing that it's not... a The laws of society aren't really applied to professional wrestling, by which I mean it's so silly and everyone thinks it's so dumb that the an actual wrestler could kill someone... Very clearly, and everyone's still like, oh, that's just that goofy wrestling. It's insane. Just operating in plain sight. The only time wrestling has been really, and this changed the whole business, was uh, Chris Benoit. That's when people actually applied the laws of common society to professional wrestling. Absolutely great point. First time ever. If this would have, weirdly, if this would have happened... Post WrestleMania one, huge story. Before it, when it's just like res- wrestling is still just like that weird territory stuff where guys pretend to play fight, and if you ask them if it's fake, they get really mad. Uh, not a big deal. Do you think that Vince McMahon tried to bully the media when it came to the Chris Benoit thing? Because here's what I'm going to say: Yeah. <laughs> did he try and bully the media? Yes. D- did he also go like, which clearly it was. He's like. It's one of those weird things with the Benoit thing is it's not like the Snooker case because they try and blame it on him and Vince McMahon obviously being a libertarian. None of these people are actually employees, technically. Technically, Roman Reigns could show up at AEW tomorrow. That's not the case, but they are all independent contractors because he doesn't want to pay health care. <laughs> so he basically was like, well, this guy doesn't even work for me, so fuck off. But it's the implied, it's the implied demanding to demand to use steroids that uh, really, obviously, steroids aren't even. That's the other thing. Steroids aren't popular yet, so the the phrase "roid rage," which would have, if this would have happened, obviously five years later, would have been a huge buzzword. Dude, if this happens three years later, they're blaming it on roid rage. But steroids are just just entering the public consciousness through Arnold Schwarzenegger and Conan, which I believe was like eighty one. So, by the way, you know, by, by the is, way, this is the WWE statement on corruption in the Snooker case. 
uh, more than three days, three decades later is when they made this. The, insinu- insinu- the insinuation that a group of medical examiners, detectives, and prosecutors include two who became judges could have their integrity compromised and participate in improper activity during the course of a meeting is absurd, categorically false, and insulting to all parties. We are hopeful that justice will prevail. Right there, again... That's not, no one is saying that Vince created a cabal and all that sort of stuff. What they are saying is Vince was a very powerful person in that community and basically just made it clear it was going to be a difficult thing to do. And prosecutors at that time weren't willing to do anything about it because they were intimidated by this giant machine. And also, it was 1984. And I got news for you a dead woman in that time to a bunch of fucking dudes in rural Pennsylvania evidently wasn't a big fucking deal. And it's Allentown, Pennsylvania, and some towns don't have as much money as others. I obviously, I've, I will admit this freely, I have not looked up the financial state of Allentown, Pennsylvania in 1983, but just as John said, the traveling road show that comes through every week and... That pays taxes. Like, it creates a lot of money in tourism, yeah, taxes, tourism. Like, they, these guys got a library and a hockey rink because of the WWF and they're going to try this case that at this point in the world, domestic abuse cases are fucking hard to pin on people because it's he said, she said, and you got to go to forensics, which forensics hadn't really wasn't widely used for another 11 years in the O.J. Simpson case. Man, we're getting into this. Cool. Who are comedians? Are we comedians or is this law and order? Yeah. Sweet. Welcome to every other podcast where it's about true crime done seriously by comedians with very little research, but they do that <laughs> weird like, and then this happened. Oh, yeah. But if you want to read more in the Stokey case, obviously do that because we just gave broad strokes and some of the strokes might be wrong. Also, you can just subscribe to our Patreon. We have a whole uh, episodes on Jimmy Snuka and all the different. The, the she fell on a GD and rock wasn't the only oh, story he there was told, some really- which is why everyone just assumed. He just like made, he switched the story six times, and they were like, "No, don't worry. The first one is fine. We're not gonna try." And he was like, "Really? Yeah. Okay, brother. Jimmy, Thank you, brother. Jimmy, calm down. It's the '80s. It's not like he killed a man. Uh, yeah, uh, you're not at the scene, so you're fine. So, John, let me tell you this. Let me ask you this. Sorry, what's your favorite thing about Vince McMahon during this period? I think it's that he actually let his talent run with their ideas. Whoa, probably the worst thing is that he covered up Definitely a murder. the worst thing is that he covered up a murder. Worst thing, covered up a murder. Be- what are you going to go with best thing? I'm going to say, I'm going to stick with covered up a murder. So that's two covered up murders. <laughs> and I think the best thing uh, during this period is all the signings from his ability to... His ability to recognize talent by what he needs on his program rather than just signing all of the top talent. Well, if you're signing uh, okay. all of the top talent, then you're signing, you're trying to sign away Ric Flair, you're trying to sign away Dusty Rhodes. No, but these are the top Hang on. talents, but he absolute did, upper but he crust. he did try and sign those guys. The, the, uh, I, it's, I, I just want to elaborate on your point. I'm sorry to extend the episode. This is a long-ass episode, and apologies to everyone. Don't worry about it. What you are saying, it's... I see what you're trying to say, which was he looked at what he needed for his company and he got that. I would almost say that he he got what he could get from the other companies and was really lucky in who he got and also was very skilled in making them a much bigger deal. If you talk to anyone who was big in the NWA, they would say that Jake Roberts was a fucking so-so. Um, they would say that 
the JYD was very fucking important, but um, if you look at it, Jake Roberts became a way bigger star than the JYD ever did in the hands of Vince McMahon. So I wouldn't say that he knew what he needed or knew what he wanted, but I would say that he got a collection of really good guys and listened to the right ones. He listened to fucking Roddy Piper and went along with him. Sorry to correct your best of, but I just think that's a important distinction to make. He, it, It's pretty open he reached out to Ric Flair, and Ric Flair continually said, uh, no, thank you, spank you. Um, he, was, he had drinks with Harley Race the day before the first Starcade and was desperately trying to sign him over and eventually did. You're, you're, you're absolutely right. But I mean, uh, let, me, let me rephrase that then. I think one of the best things is that he, he could sign only the upper mid-card guys because upper mid-card guys are obviously A, desperate to jump up the card, and B, won't come into the company demanding to win the world title over Hulk Hogan. If he signs, obviously if he signs Dusty Rhodes, obviously, I mean, to a much lesser extent, Ric Flair, but if, let's say he signs Dusty Rhodes away from the NWA. There's no way Dusty Rhodes is coming in and being like, oh, that's cool, I'll be the intercontinental champion. There's no fucking way. He's going to want to be the number one guy, and at that point, he is more of a viable world champion than Hulk Hogan. Also, I think... It's a blessing in disguise that Vern Gagne is so fucking cheap. He is Vern Gagne has an amazing eye for talent, but he's just cheap as fuck. He's he's uh, Vern Gagne like it's been said before. Mean Gene Okerlund, Jesse Ventura, Bobby Heenan, Hulk Hogan. These four men create the presentation of the WWF and they are all AWA. It's they go to Vern Gagne and they go, hey, you're making $50,000 a show. Can I have $5,000 a show? And Vern Gagne goes, how about this? How about you get a draw with Greg? Yeah, how about this? How about you fucking go ask Greg? Oh, wait, Greg doesn't fucking talk to bitches. Yeah, here's some naked Polaroids of my wife in her prime. Anyway, now you give Vern, me $5,000. Um, that's just you. Yeah, that's right. I was always hotter than my wife. Um... <laughs> J. Edgar Hoover, I'm the one that turned him gay. He saw old Vern wrestling around with Luthez and he got a little chubby chub, and that's how he came up with the FBI. His dick looked like a thumb pointing at a criminal, and he went, I should make a department about that. <laughs> Vern gone, yeah. And then he fucking shummed all over yeah, the place. Yeah, <laughs> I invented it. Uh, I don't know why Vern Gagne has a southern accent. The Shum Monkeys. Um, oh, no. Yeah, that's the alternative version of the Cum Monkeys. Um, uh, let me just say this. But it's also, Vince McMahon lucked out in all of the territorial promoters that he had at the time. And he also was in the he was in New York. It was the perfect time of he had Jimmy Crockett, who was, had stars in his eyes and could be bullied by people like Dusty Rhodes and Ric Flair. Vern Gagne, who was cheap as fuck. It was also, by the way, and this can't be stressed enough, he had Eddie Graham as an ally. Eddie Graham in Florida did not fuck with the WWF, did not go along with the um, the NWA's overt attacking of him, all that sort of stuff. All of these things we will get into as we build towards the Death of Territories and the WrestleMania episodes, which are coming up um, uh, later on in this Vince McMahon year. Ladies and gentlemen, this episode has gone on far too long. Um Please come see my show at the Melbourne International Comedy Festival. All of those information for all my shows is available at my website, thejohnhastings.com. Follow me on Twitter at thejohnhastings. Follow me on Instagram at thejohnhastings. Do not follow Dylan at D-Y-L-A-N-G, double up that T. Do not go to his Facebook group, Dylan Got Loves to Kiss. 
people that are sleeping dot ag my uh, facebook group called remember tub girl that was sick <laughs> i mean that is a pretty good facebook group um back when the internet was the internet just one picture of a girl diarying in her own fucking mm, mouth man i remember the first time i saw tub girl and it was the it was you know when you were a kid you had friends who had friends and the you usually you had a friend who had a one weird friend who just lived on the street that was slightly older I had that friend, and then he brought over a guy that was a year older than him. So I was like 13, and this guy was 17. He was like, look at this. This is so cool. And then he showed me that, and he was like, I'm going to do that to someone one day. That kid was later kicked out of school um, because he shit on the ground and then threw it at a janitor. That's <laughs> That kid was you. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Uh, at Wrestler Review on Twitter and Instagram. I'm, of course, at Twitter, at Dylan Gott. Fuck what John said. D-Y-L-A-N. G O double up that T on Twitter and Instagram. Add me there. Add me square. I'll do new videos every goddamn week. Crowd work videos, character videos. I'm a fucking dynamo for Christ's fucking sakes. I'm uh do playing theaters in Gananoque, Ontario, April 11th. If you know anyone that lives in Gananoque or just fucking drive there, I don't give a shit about your time. I care about me and me being successful. April 18th in Peterborough, Ontario. Do you live there? Do you live in England? Statistically, if you're listening to this, you do live in England or America, but take a plane, drive there, suck my dick, eat my ass, then leave, but wear a suit the whole time. Thank you very much.